turn to page 206, 206, he leadeth me, amen, 206. Just one page over, 207, surely goodness and mercy, amen, 207. Shall I? 
strength day by day. He'll lead me beside the still waters. He guards me each step of the way. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and I shall feast at the table spread for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me days, all the days of my life. When I walk, when I walk through He's gone to prepare. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And I shall dwell. prayer list, wave your hand there, and we'll have Stevie get you one, I guess, and we praise the Lord for each one that was here this morning. Uh, didn't quite get a good count on this morning, so uh, we'll let you know on that as we uh, see if we can't do that, but we had two baptized this morning, and we praise the Lord for that, and uh, our baptistry heater, in spite of looking very weird and strange, did work, and so we praise the Lord for that. And uh, we've, this is our Sunday that we pray for our, our missionaries, and I do want you to know that uh, there was extra in the missions account at the end of the month, and we praise the Lord for that. And, and of course, uh, what we did was there were some needy people, and we sent most of it away already, but uh, uh, that's what we're supposed to do with our missions money, amen? And... Uh, I think some of you might remember Brother Kevin D'Angelo. He's in New Jersey, just uh, south of Perth Amboy there. And, uh, and so we, we sent him some support and tried to help him out. And so um, we praise the Lord uh, for that. And uh, any other praises to add to the list? Ms. Rhoda. Okay, praise the Lord for answered prayers. Anyone else? Brother Franz.
things that's good about the whistle. And, um, you know, I just really thank you for that. And then I also was able to circle with you six days on each of Sundays. And that was really great because there was actually a really a good third, seven minutes in there to live. And um, we had been visiting a church about 40 minutes away when I would go there. But I called that church and they recommended one right in her town. And I went with her and it was um, really great. And uh, as I was leaving back to New York, uh, she had seen the directions in my car to get to the church. And she said, oh, can I get those directions? I didn't bother her. I didn't talk to her. She just said, can I get those? And so, you know, I, you know, I want to go there again. And so she's really uh, thankful for that. And I just thank the Lord for that open opportunity. And, and I just, I'm, I just get words really can't express how uh, ecstatic I was about that. And, and my other sister from Orlando called me that same week and just told me, you know, she just gave me an example of something that she had done. And she said, oh, I thought when I went there, I would feel the same way. And she said, I went, you know, to this, she, she went somewhere, to some, like, lounge or something. And she said, I, I didn't belong there. She said, I, I, I felt so awkward. I said, I didn't belong here. And, you know, now I know why you were telling me, you know, I really had no business being there. And so, but I, but she has the experience of herself. That she went there and she didn't need to be there. And, you know, she's growing so much in the Lord and she's taking her friend to church as well. And it's just really great to see how the Lord's working. And I'm really excited about that. And I just thank you for all that. Amen. All right. Any other praises? Ms. Frida. Heavenly Father, we just want to take this time and thank you and praise you for who you are. We want to thank you for the things that you are doing in our lives. And Lord, every once in a while, we're thankful that you allow us just to see you working in the lives of people. Lord, we're thankful that you want to use us in your service. We're thankful that you forgive us for our sins. We're thankful that you hear and answer our prayers. Lord, we just want to praise you for loving us and caring for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. All right, we'll stand and do one more song, 455, 455, My Jesus, I Love Thee, 455. Show. 
our teens dismissed for their class. And uh, tonight we have the privilege of having Brother Ray and Bonnie Ovitz. And uh, they have been our missionaries for a long time. And uh, actually he helped us the first time we replaced these doors. Now that was, that had to have been 10 years ago. And uh, I don't believe that you even presented your work or preached. We just took you on for support. And this is the first time he's been back. And, and so uh, if you saw the display, Brother Ovid works in building churches, and literally. And so uh, he's going to come. And the pulpit is yours, brother. And uh, if you need it, there's a glass of water right here. Was it on while I was singing? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that would have been bad. You would stop supporting me right then and there. Um, I think it was about nine or ten years ago when I came. I came with Brother Don Kennedy, and uh, we worked on the uh, we worked on the fire doors. That was one of the things that you had to have in immediately. And and I remember parking my truck in um, Danbury, Connecticut. And Brother Kennedy and I drove in with his smaller truck. And, uh, and I remember tonight why we drove in with a smaller truck. And I brought a uh, little van with me tonight, and I didn't think I was going to find a place to park with that. So um, I was telling my wife uh, briefly the story of when Brother Kennedy and I were working on these doors. The door handles were all already on them, and they pretty much lock all by themselves. Once you stick them in, once you put them in the hole, get them all plumbed up and get them ready to go, if they close, they lock. And uh, it was a Wednesday night when we were here. Uh, Getting finished up the last one down uh, on that side of the church, down in the, I believe it was down in the alley. Uh, I think it was downstairs. And we got done with the last of it. It was almost time for church. And uh, I was working on one, one door, and Brother Kennedy was working on the other door. And we looked at each other and said, are, are we all cleaned up and ready to go? And uh, I said, yeah. And he said, yes. And he let his door go, and I let my door go. And there we were in the alley. And uh, he thought he was, I was going to go, I thought I was going to go in his door, and he thought he was going to come to mine, and they both shut, and uh, it was about 10 minutes before service, so we didn't have a hope, we were really pushing our luck, we wanted to get it done so we could go ahead and travel back to Connecticut, him to Delaware, and uh, so we got it done, and lo and behold, we were in the alley for the whole service, and uh, I think uh, one of the pastor's sons uh, came down looking for us after the service, we couldn't figure out where we went, they were, we were parked out in the alley there, and, and there we were, so... Uh, we're not used to that city life where everything is locked up. <laughs> in, uh, in Connecticut, we could just kind of walk around as we please, and we don't have to lock everything up uh, outside. So uh, it was a, a real, real nifty experience to be outside and not knowing anybody around and people looking down the gates at us, and you know we were hollering and screaming, trying to get somebody's attention. And <laughs> nobody, I guess it's an everyday thing in the city, so nobody was paying attention to the two guys in the, in the alley. Uh, we couldn't even get a police officer to come, so that was that was pretty bad. But I do want to thank you for having us come, and, and you have been supporting us for uh, nine years, eight or nine years now. 
and uh, we do appreciate that uh, so much. And uh, I kind of saved this for when I got up here, but uh, you know, you you have been praying for us, and uh, there's many ministries that have been praying for us. And one of the things in our in, that we you know when you pray for us, you're praying for our families. We ask for prayer. When we ask for prayer, that's a general prayer for not only us but our families. And we have four children, and uh, they they are not they were not saved, and uh, or they are not saved actually. Uh, Two, actually, I'll go back up here a little bit. Uh, one is saved, and they're very slowly coming to know the Lord. But that's been over 18 years. I've got, I was coming up on my 18th uh, birthday of knowing the Lord, but it's 18 years that we have been praying for our children. And uh, today, the last two weeks, my uh, youngest son, our youngest son and his wife have been coming to church with us um, back home. Now, our church is Harvest Baptist Church in New Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, he has just been coming to church, and they have been pretty faithful about coming. So we ask that you continue to pray for them. Uh, we don't know for sure if they're saved. They say they are. They raised their hand and said that they are. But we don't see any fruit uh, in that. And uh, that's what we, uh, we covet your prayers on our family. Uh, we really do need to have them saved. And, and we know the time is short, and the Lord is coming back very soon. And, and uh, we're very uh, anxious for him to come back. We're apprehensive because our, our children are not saved. We have nine grandchildren. Seven of them are saved. Uh, two are too young, a little too young for it yet, uh, but we're praying for them. So pray for our grandchildren. Pray for our children. We have two more that need to be, uh, two more children that need to be saved. Our oldest son and our youngest son. Uh, our next to the oldest son is in Texas, Longview, Texas. He's a, a police officer there, and we need to pray for him for his safety. Uh, things are really getting crazy out there. Uh, he's saved and attends a church there, and our grandchildren do too, and our daughter-in-law. So we really do covet your prayers, and we ask that you continue to do that. Uh, it's been, it has been uh, 11 years that my wife and I have been on the road full-time uh, in the building ministry. I started off 12 and a half years ago part-time, and the way I got started in the ministry, uh, building ministry, was uh, my home church when I first uh, came to that church. I, I wasn't saved there. Um, I wasn't saved in that church, but I was saved in another church, and, uh, and that church started kind of going uh, uh, in the wrong direction, we believe, and uh, after seven years, we, we had to leave, and, and we went to Harvest Baptist Church, and they were right in the middle of a building program, and when I arrived at that building program, uh, the pastor, our pastor shot, he was uh, in quite a lot of distress. Uh, because of this building program, if you uh, you can probably tell by your pastor that it's very stressful to to be in these. You're responsible to get a lot of things done, and the men come out and help, and the ladies and whoever can come and help. Uh, there's a lot of stress in that, and I could see that plainly on on our pastor's face. And I didn't know we met in another building quite a ways away, and I didn't know that they were in a building program at the time I joined. And uh, one Sunday night. Uh, Pastor uh, raised, uh, got up and made an announcement. There was a, a calendar on the wall, and on that wall it said it had all the days of the week and then all the all the weeks and then the months. And he says, anybody, if anybody can come out to help, I would ask that you would sign up for even a day or even a couple of hours. So looking upon, you know, looking over at this calendar on the wall, I said to myself, well, I, you know, I could, I didn't know where the building was. I said, well, I can, I can come help work on the building. And uh, so I went over and signed up, and the next day I met with our pastor uh, in the town, and I said, well, you know, where's, the, where's the church building? And we drove up on a hill, and there was this huge building. <laughs> I said, oh, my. 
well, you do have quite a program going on here, building program. And I went in, and by the time I got there, we had been, we, we were in there sheetrocking and in the trim, the doors, all the millwork and everything in this, in this church building. And uh, we started working on it, and one, one hour a day uh, for the first couple days turned into five hours a day, and then it turned into eight hours a day, and then it turned into 10, 12 hours a day, and we just kept going. Now, I've been self-employed uh, up to that point about 25 years. I started with my father in the construction business, and he got sick really early on and could not do it any longer because of the chemicals and things that they used in the, in the construction trade, and he got out of it, and I stayed in it. And uh, I continue to build and to, to work uh, in, the, in, the, in the construction trade. And I stayed self-employed from the age of about 18 years old, uh, self-employed right up to uh, the day I went into the ministry. And God was good to me in spite of uh, what's called providential care. Uh, he was good to me in spite of my wicked, sinning ways. And uh, I was able to stay uh, in business. And eventually my sons uh, came to the age where they could work with me. And uh, they got involved in, in my business and took the business over. And then I was able to go and work on churches. Then I became a part-time church builder. I would go and make sure all the, all the programs or all the projects were, we call it church, or in the church it's programs, and in the secular world it's projects. But uh, all the projects were going well. And, uh, on, and then I would leave and go work on churches. And I spent the first six or eight months completing our church. Uh, driving back and forth, and uh, found it to be quite amazing to uh, to come to a, to a building like that, work with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and to complete these projects. And uh, I just had this, I had a feeling in my heart that I'd never had in my in my whole life uh, in the building trade. And I've built uh, many buildings, and I've built many different things, and had satisfaction in building many things, but never have I had the satisfaction of building. Uh, and building this church, and when I was all done with it, I said to myself, uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I said, if this is what God would have me to do, I'd like to continue doing this. I did it for a year and a half part-time, and then in early 2000, uh, well, actually before that, in 99, uh, the Lord laid on my heart and said, you know, this is what you were going to do, and um, by this time, uh, you know, after, after being saved and, and really living in the world, um, I got saved, the Lord really started blessing me, and he, he was blessing my wife. My wife was saved five years before I was. And, uh, and when the Lord started blessing each one of us, we started prospering. And the more we gave, the more of our time and our, and our tithe and, and uh, to missions, the more we prospered. And I thought uh, at one time, I said, we are doing really good now. And then uh, when the Lord called me into the ministry, uh, I knew that I would have to give all of that up uh, to do that, which wasn't any real big deal. I didn't give up anything that uh, uh, anything spectacular uh, working in the world. But I knew I would have to give that up. In order to give that up, I would have to go home to my wife and tell her and explain this to my wife, who was a whole lot more spiritual at the time than I was, explain this to my wife that we were going to leave all of this behind, our house, the cars, uh, the business, the equipment, everything, buy a camper and a truck and go on the road full-time in the building ministry. And I didn't know quite how to say that. I put my wife through many things over the years before I got saved and uh, really dragged her through a lot of things. And uh, now everything was going real well. I wasn't sure how she was going to take that. I went home one night after working on a church, and I sat at the kitchen table and looking across the table at her with 
these puppy dog eyes and just trying to figure out how am I going to tell my wife that that we're going to we're going to give this up and uh, and go and serve Christ as a as a building ministry. And uh, before I could say that, she looked over at me and and said these you know she goes do you she said these words she goes do you feel the Lord taking us in a, out of this area which was Falls Village a little town in Falls Village I spent 40 years of my life there out of this area and putting us on the road somewhere. And uh, she must have knew that this was on my heart, and God laid down her heart, because uh, I really struggled with it. But when it was all said and done, I said, that is just what I believe God would have us to do. And in 2000, we drove out of the driveway, sold our home, gave the business to my sons, cut all the ties from it. I told them they can't call me, ask for any information or uh, any guidance. Uh, it's all theirs. And uh, <clears throat> in early 2000, we drove out the driveway and off to our first job. Our first job was seven miles up the road. <laughs> we didn't go very far. It was uh, seven miles up the road. It was a little church called Faith Baptist Church. And I just want to share this with you. This Faith Baptist Church uh, was the first project in, in, our, in our ministry, the ministry God has called us to. In the very early stages of it, we prayed very hard because of our family. We knew that if we left, we were the only ones saved. And serving God. And we knew if we left the area, there would be nobody there to witness to our family. We have, both have very large families, and we knew that that would not, we, we thought we knew, <laughs> that that would not happen. And uh, so we were very worried about it. We said, who would go? Who was going to go and minister to our folks, our family, if we leave the area? The first phone call I got, and it was the New Testament church planners, they called me and said, we have a church building. That needs, that's going to go up, and it's right up the road, we believe, from your house. They didn't know quite where I lived, and it turned out to be seven miles up the road from my house. So we st I went up there, and I started working on this church. And the first uh, person who, one of the persons who got saved early on in the project was actually the bus driver at the local school. We have very small schools, and it was the bus driver that picked up all our relatives in our neighborhood. And uh, she picked them all up and took them to school. Well, she got saved. And when she got saved, gloriously saved, uh, she took on a bus ministry. And uh, she went to her bus uh, terminal and uh, to the guy that owned the buses and said, asked him if she could take, this take one of the buses and go and pick up kids on a Sunday morning. And that the church would pay for fuel and any insurance or anything that they need to do. The guy said, well, you just go ahead. She's such a good employee. She said, you just go ahead and use it on a Sunday morning. Just put fuel in it. She went to pick it up on a Sunday morning, and he had already put fuel in it. He showed up to put fuel in it. It was fueled up and ready to go. The third Sunday that we were there, uh, nine, uh, eight of my nieces and nephews stepped off the bus and into the church building. And uh, we just stood back, and, and we both said, uh, we understand it now. We understand that if we be busy about God's business, that he's going to be busy about our business. And uh, from that day on, we, uh, we really never worried about who was going to go back and witness to our family. God had it all under control. He said, just wanted us to be faithful. So we drove out. We finished that church in about six months. And uh, we drove off. And uh, it's been 11 years now on the road full time. We still have our worries about our children. Uh, but they really are you know, not as bad as it was the first day we went on the road. And like I say, there's... there's Seven of nine grandchildren are saved and two of four children that are saved. So we just ask that you would continue to pray uh, for our children and our families. We still need to be saved. And, 
And today, uh, our sons, are, one of our youngest sons has been going to church with us, so we see God answering prayers. And my daughter, who lives in Albany, New York, uh, she, uh, she's busy in a church there with four children, four sons, uh, my four grandsons and her husband, and they're busy in that church serving God. And, and uh, we got to come back last summer and witness four baptisms, uh, her baptism and my three grandsons getting baptized. So it was, uh, it was very special. God. Uh, we have been in the ministry now for 11 years, as I said. We're out of New Hartford, Connecticut. And we travel pretty much all around the country. Uh, we haven't had, we haven't been up in far north, uh, not yet. We do have a project that's going to be in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, coming very soon, uh, probably next April. But we have traveled all all over the the, uh, the southern half of the country, and been out to California and out through there. God has just blessed us uh, with this traveling and being able to do that. We have built. Uh, I am an E2 electrician. I'm not licensed, of course, but 10 years ago I left all of that, all that behind and went into, the, uh, went into this ministry. I could not carry these licenses with me. It was going to cost way too much to be a general contractor and carry all the licenses. So I'm a master plumber and an E2 electrician. And most of our work, the work that I do, is under the, under the watch care of plumbers and electricians that we hire on the projects. They come out and they allow me to do the work <clears throat> and get these projects done, saving uh, thousands of dollars, and you'll know, we're, Pastor Montoro and I were talking about the plumber, and how much the plumbers cost. They're very expensive. They're very good, and they're very expensive. So when, we, when they allow us to work on these churches, we're talking thousands of dollars, $20,000, $30,000 for plumbers, and $20,000, $30,000 for electricians that we save uh, by using men in the church and myself. So it is really a big saving. It's really all about saving as much money as we can for churches so they can put it into missions, so they can put it into to, to put in, giving even bigger and better buildings, or not bigger and better, <laughs> you know, well, you get my drift. Uh, they just need, they need to be repaired. There are a lot of buildings that are in, in a state of repair. They need repairing and renovating, and they're able to use that money to improve and do even bigger and, and even more in, in the building ministries. So you've been supporting us now for 10 years, and we do thank you very much. Continue to pray for us. The business is getting very tough now. It's hard to get permits. Uh, they're cracking down on a lot of things. They're required, requesting. I think the building inspectors are getting, are getting a little lazy, uh, and I say that because if they can get somebody to engineer a set of plans, uh, that relinquishes them from any responsibility. So, so the words out of their mouth is, you know, go hire an engineer. Engineers get a lot of money to do that. And uh, so it's getting harder. The devil is definitely fighting and uh, moving in a direction that's uh, making it harder and harder for us to pull permits and uh, get this work done. Uh, God has sent many, many along. And uh, we were working in, um, share this story with you also. We were working in Chatham, Virginia, on a church, a 6,000-square-foot uh, auditorium, or I'm sorry, it's a uh, classrooms and fellowship hall, and it's for the RU, Reformers Anonymous, and uh, this building needed uh, all new electrical. They came out, the building inspector came out, and he looked the project over and said that they needed a thousand amps of electricity. Well, if you don't know how much a thousand amps of electricity, it's about $80,000 worth of, of money. And, uh, but they said they need a thousand amps for this building. Now, we built a lot of 6,000 square foot areas and we've used probably 600 and that's 
and that's pretty good for, for what we do. So we didn't know what we were going to do, how we were going to get 1,000 amps of electricity, and this was all brand new service. We couldn't go off the old church that we were attaching to. This thing had to have its own power source. Uh, there was a guy in town who uh, ran a technical school. His technical school was for plumbers, electricians. He ran it for everything. And he came by one day, and uh, he was talking with the pastor, and he saw the project, and he was a Christian, born-again believer. He wasn't a fundamental Baptist, independent Baptist, but he was a, a believer. And he came by, and he said to the pastor, he says, if you buy the material, I will send my students out to do all the work on the project. Well, we, we were just elated about that because most of it is in the labor. Um, it's $120, $130 an hour for a laborer to come out and do this. So uh, it was the following Monday. They, sent, uh, they didn't send the students out. They sent the teachers out. And all the teachers came out, and, which were all licensed electricians, and they ran the whole electrical system in the building and uh, walked away, and they paid about $900 for the components. Uh, they bought everything through the electrical company, and they, they gave it to them practically for nothing. So we're thankful for the prayers of many and for those who have got the heart and the burden uh, for the ministries of building. It is a lot of work to, uh, to get these buildings built. And we are uh, really in a, in a battle and a struggle with the devil when these blueprints and, and uh, permits go across the desk at the town halls. Uh, the first thing that happens is they get shuffled away. And you really, literally have to go after them and dig them back out of the paperwork. Uh, one will sign them. They'll put them in a stack of papers, and it gets buried. You've got to go and pull them out and make sure they go through the process. And a lot of times they'll get sent back. And we're not talking weeks, but months of time is, is killed uh, just, trying to get a pro just trying to get a permit. So we ask that you pray. Pray for the churches that are trying to go forward for the Lord Jesus Christ because they are in a struggle. Even, even, even the ones that aren't in the building program, uh, any of the churches that are going forward for the Lord Jesus Christ are in a struggle today. So you pray for those. Uh, thank you for having us in. And uh, if you have any questions about anything we do or I do, uh, uh, I'll take any questions uh, if you have any. Um, my wife is Bonnie. I forgot to mention her name. Of course, I always do. <laughs> but if you have any questions, I'd, I'd take a couple. And uh, <clears throat> okay, if not, um, I don't think I forgot anything. Um, if not, if you would turn to the book of Luke with me, we'll go ahead and and uh, <clears throat> the book of Luke in fifteenth chapter. And uh, I'm just going to briefly share, uh, share with you uh, something that I have been, been thinking about, and, uh, and I find it extraordinary. And this is a 15th chapter and the 24th verse. And, uh, of course, we know, we know this uh, parable. This is a parable of the, of the uh, two brothers, the parable of the lost son. But it's actually a parable of the two, two brothers. There's two brothers in this, in this story. And, of course, we, we read in the first part of it, uh, in 11, it says, and a certain man had two sons, uh, two brothers, and they were two brothers. And the younger of them and his, said to his father, uh, Give me the portion of goods that falleth me, and divide unto them his, and divide unto him his living, their living. And we know how that story goes. I'm sure that 
most of you know how the story goes. It's a, a familiar story of the prodigal son and how the, the prodigal son went ahead and, and took, his, uh, took his living, uh, his inheritance, and left home. And uh, in leaving home, he uh, uh, went and he squandered it away over a period of time. He just, he just lost it all, and uh, that happens uh, quite a bit in this world. And we can see parallels with this, with this young man with uh, a lot of uh, families and, and uh, young men that go out and think that they can uh, move away from the family at a young age and not learn really the hard knocks of life. They want to go out and, and, and do their own hard knocks. They want to learn their own way, their own, their own hard way. So we see this, this young man, he goes out and he squanders it all away over a period of time. And then after a period of time, he, he kind of looks back and uh, after it's all gone and he's, uh, he's wallowing around in a hog pen and uh, I imagine he's probably not smelling very good. He says, you know what? He says, it'd be better if I was back home. It'd be better if I was back uh, ser- uh, serving with my, under my father than it would be to be where I am today. So up he comes, he gets up and off he goes and he's going to go back home. And uh, sure enough, he... He gets back home, and before he gets home, he see the father's always watching, uh, looking out for him and watching out for him. And, and the father, of course, our Heavenly Father is the same way. When we stray away, when we get away from God, um, you know, he's, uh, he's out there, and he's waiting for us to come back. He's not going to chase you down. Now, he'll chastise you, and he'll put you, uh, maybe put you in the hog pen or put you in a situation where you were going to turn, but he's not going to go chasing after you. Uh, in a sense where he's not going to come and beg you to come back and plead with you to come back. He's going to let the Spirit of God do that to you and uh, work on you. So you see this father, he is, uh, he's looking out the window. He's looking out the door, and he's, he's trying to, uh, he's looking for his son. And, and that's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, of God, that he's looking for his sons to come back, his children to come back. And he sees us. He sees him. He sees him spies him coming down the road. He says, oh, man, he's coming back. He's, he's coming home. Here's my son. Uh, he's back home again. So he comes back home. He asks his father and talks to his father and says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I sinned against God and I sinned against you. And uh, I want forgiveness for that. And I'm asking for forgiveness for that. And he says, that's fine. He says, oh, uh, you are forgiven and bring him in. And they gave him, of course, you know, they gave him, uh, they, they gave him a robe and, and uh, gave him the finest things. And, and they set him up with a, a fatty calf and, and they just rejoiced, and, and this young man was back home. The sinner had come back home. He, he was lost, but now, now he's found. He's back into the, into the fold, and his father is happy, elated that he's back home. But then we see from that point, we take off, we, we get to the point where the oldest son comes into play. And this is the one I want to talk a little bit about tonight, is the oldest son and what he does. And this, uh, this parable really wouldn't, uh, really wouldn't mean a whole lot unless you uh, read into the second part of it, which was a son. And a lot of them do not, uh, people will read that one parable about the, the son and they stop. And if they do read the second part of it, they side with the older brother like he had a right to do all this. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight is the older brother. And uh, we'll go ahead and read that uh, 25 uh, down to the end. And, uh, and then we'll pray. Now, his older, elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry. 
it would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Please come in, is what he's trying to do, try to get him to come in the house. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou, thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto his son, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. Thank you tonight. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for those who are here tonight to, to hear the word of God. And Father, I pray that you give me utterance. Father, give us a quiet heart, peaceful heart, Lord. And May we learn from your word uh, daily, Father, and we thank you for those who have supported the ministry of Harvest Laborers, Lord, and, and uh, we just can't thank you enough for all you're going to do uh, in and through our lives if we be faithful to you. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to learn the lessons uh, that, are, that are given in the word of God that we may not stray, that we may not have the problems uh, that, uh, that others have, Lord. We cannot do anything in our own strength, but it's your strength that we call on. Thank you, love you, in Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, so we look in, the, uh, in verse 29, and uh, it says, And he answered and said unto his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I, thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. He was devoted uh, to his father. He was devoted to the work that was taking place on the farm or, or in his father's house. He was devoted to everything that was going on. He gave, his life, he gave his life to it. He stayed there. He worked out in the fields. He did all the work uh, that he needed to do. He stayed devoted. But the one thing that he missed was his own father's heart. And sometimes as Christians, as, as we walk and we uh, tread the path of Christianity, um, we tend to stay devoted to the word of God we, we take and we, we find his path and we stay straight on it. And sometimes we just miss the Father's heart, what the Father's heart really means. And sometimes we need to just, uh, Psalms of, uh, uh, in Psalms it says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we need just to, to be still and to see the Father's heart. And this young man, uh, this older brother that was in the field, he just never saw what his Father's heart was all about. He missed the boat completely. It was all about the older brother. And when he came back and uh, was as angry as he was, he missed the whole point. But he was entirely out of harmony with his own father's heart. Uh, the cause of his upset, well, nothing special was done for him. That was the cause. He was upset with his father because nothing was done for him. Well, why, why would things need to be done for him? He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we'll just keep drawing parallels. As brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes uh, we get upset because things aren't done for us. And all we are, we're, we're doing just what our Father asks us to do. But sometimes we get upset because somebody is blessed a little more than we are. Uh, we've, I've seen it. We've seen it uh, where uh, just a little, bit of, a little bit of anger comes out that somebody is moving forward or blessed or has been away from the Word of God and then comes back. And uh, they're blessed, and they're all brought back with open arms. And we feel a little bit of that anger that, uh, that they're just welcomed back in. 
So he, nothing special was done for him, was the cause of his upset. He was mad because his brother had gone out and wasted uh, all that he had, wasted something that his father had earned. It was none of his business what, what his father had. His father gave, his, gave a portion to him, two-thirds. A uh, portion went to the, to the older brother. And then, uh, so it wasn't any concern of what his father did with the rest, of the rest of what he had when he came back. But he was mad. He was upset. He was angry uh, that this brother came back and he was given all these things. He was given the fatty calf. And the, and, the, and the older brother said, you know, you wouldn't even give me a kid. You wouldn't even give me a, a goat uh, uh, for this. But, you know, the, brother, the older brother could have had it all along. Uh, he had the father's love and provisions at all, any time he wanted it. But he never took it for granted. He never used it. He just stayed out in the fields. He just did whatever he wanted to do. He did not understand the nature of forgiveness, and his father did. Sometimes we do not understand the nature of the forgiveness that we need uh, when we see our father forgive people. I, I know that uh, people who have been uh, saved, who have been uh, in jail, uh, we don't see the nature of that forgiveness. I've heard people say that I, they don't understand how God could save uh, people uh, like that. And, that's, of course, that's the world, worldly thought, is how can God save people like that? Uh, how could God save somebody like me? In 1993, I was a drunkard, and, uh, and I did whatever I wanted to. Uh, my wife served five years, served the Lord for five years, and I did everything I could to destroy her life and to destroy what she believed in. And now it never took place because God was... Uh, was much bigger than I was, uh, tremendously bigger than I was. I can't tell you how big he is uh, compared to me. But it never took place. I didn't have my way in her life. And uh, although I tried to destroy her, I could not do it because God was not going to allow it. But when I got saved, there was my sister and my wife were attending a church, uh, Promised Land Baptist Church. And my wife and my sister were attending that church. And when I got saved, I went, uh, that's where I went to get saved. I got saved. I got up on a Sunday morning uh, with my wife and went to church. It was Mother's Day, May 9th. And I went, and, uh, went to church with her for the very first time and heard the gospel preached for the very first time. Uh, now my wife has witnessed to me for five years, but I never heard the gospel preached. And uh, I heard it. I heard, uh, I'm not sure what I heard. It was just sound like wah, 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 wah every time she talked. And I did my best to try to discourage her and keep her away from that. Uh, that kind of stuff. So I went to church for the very first time. It was May 9th, 1993. I uh, walked through the doors, uh, listened to my first message preached, and I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. And I went after I didn't come forward for the altar. Uh, but I went, I went downstairs uh, in this little office, and uh, I was on my hands and knees and just begging God to forgive me. And uh, I got saved that day. And when I came out, my sister was there, and my wife was there, of course, and they were, they were excited. But after a while, my sister uh, just kind of turned angry on me, uh, at me. Uh, she just didn't, she figured that she had been saved for so many years uh, before me. And uh, when I got saved, it was like I caught right up with her. And uh, she never really got over it, and she was very angry with me. And uh, to this day, uh, we very seldom talk uh, uh, we see each other uh, once in a blue moon, and she was actually the one responsible for my wife getting saved. She, my wife and her were responsible for me going to church and getting saved, and now she uh, very, has very seldom, very little to do with me, and she's angry. And this young brother here, uh, that was his problem. He was angry because his son came back and was restored back into the family. Uh, when I was restored into the family, 
uh, when I was put back in and put into the family of God, not restored, I wasn't there to start with. Uh, but when I got into the family of God, uh, got saved, my sister was very angry and still, still a little upset with me today. Uh, she often said, you know, she, she wanted to be a pastor. Well, I told her one day in my naive, uh, being young, a couple of years old in the Lord, and reading the Bible, I said, you can't be a pastor. And uh, she thought that she knew a whole lot more than I did, and she's going to give me scripture. And I said, well, no. You know, it says right here, and show her from scripture. And every time we would talk, she would try to figure a way to make me look a little silly. And it just didn't work. I was a babe in Christ, and I was being fed, and I, and I just I knew what God's word said uh, because I was being taught. And, uh, and that's where it was. I was being taught. So we see this young man uh, very upset. And, uh, but he didn't understand the father. He didn't, for, he didn't understand forgiveness. And he didn't understand what it really took. So we can say that he had a wrong attitude. His attitude was uh, not the right attitude. And uh, in 28, uh, as we read that, and he was angry, it would not go in. He was so angry that he wouldn't even go in to the house to see what was going on. Now we say, you know, he didn't, he said that he called his servant in. His servant came from, uh, he called him in from a distance, but he didn't call him from too far because one, he could hear the singing that was going on. And two, he could see that they were dancing inside the house. So that tells me that he was really pretty close. He could see what was going on. So therefore he goes in, he, he entreats, uh, so then the father comes out. And uh, we see a, a very, uh, we see a young man that is, that is just stubborn. He won't go into the house, so his father comes out to him and entreats him, says, come in and enjoy uh, what, what has happened here. This, this sinner has come home. And uh, he refuses to do it. Uh, he, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be in the same house. Uh, and natural to us, it's natural to us, that this kind of resentment. Uh, we see this kind of resentment. It's kind of self-righteous spirit is what it is. Uh, he wouldn't call his own brother a brother. He said, it's your son that came home. Uh, he would not even get personal about his brother. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say it at all. Uh, he said, thy son. And he says uh, that uh, your, thy son has come home. I uh, didn't make it personal anymore. It's no longer, that brother was no longer his family. As my sister seems like she's not part of my family anymore. She just doesn't have anything to do. Uh, stress is false. His brother had faults. This, this brother uh, in 30, we read, but as soon as, that this, as, as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed him, the fatted calf. Now let me say this. Now nowhere in the Bible does it ever say what that younger brother did uh, when he went out. Nowhere. But this older brother uh, took it upon himself to, uh, to slander his younger brother and make up these, uh, make up these uh, stories about him, like being with a harlot. His brother didn't know that. He was on the farm. He was far away. But he was so angry he, and angry at his father that he was, talking, um, he was talking with much disrespect, very, very disrespectful. So it says, Lo, these many years do you serve thee? Uh, sorry, in 30. Uh, Devoured our harlots, and thou hast killed him, the fatted calf. Um, so we see that in the, in the end of this uh, story, that instead of being with his father on this, he was against his father. He did not want to have the forgiveness that his father have, has. We need to be very careful not to have the older brotherism and not have the forgiveness uh, for a sinner who has come back, uh, for somebody who has just gotten saved. 
Uh, my sister needs a lot of prayer, and uh, I'm not sure to this day. She will not talk. She won't even tell me whether she goes to church or not. We t I ask her, and she sidesteps it. She never talks about it. She won't talk about anything spiritual with us. And uh, we see her about once a year, and she stays pretty much by herself. And she, was, she doesn't come around uh, when we get back home. In Galatians 6.1, if you just turn there with me. Galatians 6.1. It says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such as one, such and one in the spirit of meekness. Consider thyself, lest thou be tempted. Bear ye another, one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think, him some, think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. This older brother was deceiving himself. He refused to be involved uh, with this blessing of his, old, of his younger brother coming back home. He deceived himself. And of all this, uh, when it was all said and done, they had to party in the house for the son, the rejoicement of the son coming back home, the fatted calf. And the older one, with no forgiveness, uh, as far as I'm concerned, never asked for any repentance and uh, never got it right with his own father. So we need to just remember this in Galatians 6.1, that we need to, uh, if our brother is overtaken in a fall, we need to pray for him. We need to lift him up. And let me just say this one, one other thing, that when a brother is overtaken in a fall, that doesn't mean that we go uh, where he is in his fault and get involved with him and try to get him out of that, because all that's going to do is drag you down uh, into that hog pen. If this father went out with his son, it would have been devastating for this father to see the way his young man, his, his son lived. That is devastating uh, to our God to see way, the way we live out of, the will, out of his will. And he wants us to be back. We need to help restore uh, our brothers and sisters. We have a, a, a friend uh, who's been a very good friend, I'll close with this story, who's been a very good friend uh, for years. And uh, he got involved with drugs. And uh, you can see him taking that slippery slope uh, down. Uh, he'd come to church, and then after a while, he just, he just got out of church. And then the only time he would come to church is when he wanted to borrow money so he could buy more drugs. And it got to a point where everybody knew why he was coming. Why he was coming. And then he, then he got his heart right, and he kind of got over that, all of that, we thought. And he got back into church. And what he had said to me was this. He said while he was on his uh, drug rampage, and uh, spiral down, uh, nobody came to him and offered him a hand up. Well, the only time he ever wanted to talk to anybody is to borrow money, and everybody knew that. Uh, so we can't be with them. Uh, we cannot, we can, we can reach out to them. We can pray for them. We can't be involved in their sin. As this father here cannot be involved with his, his son, uh, his son came back home repented. The other son never repented, never got it right with his father. And therefore, today, uh, as far as I know, there's nothing in the Word of God that ever says that this man got it right. We need to make sure that this never ever comes from, the, from, the lip, from our lips, our tongue, uh, to be angry with somebody else because that God restores them and uh, that they have it a little better than us. We need to be uh, blessed 
uh, by seeing somebody else be blessed even more. Better to give than receive. Amen. So uh, with that, I close. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. And uh, God bless. Pastor.